This is the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Justin Oswald underscore. Proceed with caution. With me again today is Brad Livingston. What up? What up, guys? It's uh, another sermon, another week, another follow-up podcast. And, uh, man, so excited uh, about kicked off our new series on Sunday. We did. And, uh, yeah, man, just just pumped up. We were putting stuff on social media. You can find me at Brad Livingston underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, proceed with slightly less caution, but caution nonetheless. Slightly less. Um, but anyways, yeah, man, it was a it's a good series kicking off uh, the detox series, and I'm pretty pumped up about this. Yeah, I'm 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 excited because well it was funny so we were we like the during the first song of the second service we were joking because we were talking about like so august we kind of set august aside as kind of a series to work on our people a little bit you know knowing that there's going to be an influx of new people in september that's just kind of the the nature of how things work you know kids are back in school so Mm. september rolls around and people just kind of naturally are looking for something in their life. And so they, they come to churches to find it. And I think the the sad part is many churches, all they still have is church. You know, they don't have hope. They don't have life. They just have church. And uh, we, hope, <laughs> we, we hope to be different than that. And so what we had planned to do is take August and, you know, really spend some time pouring into our people messages that are a little more inwardly focused than we usually have. Um, but at the same time that an unbeliever could understand that Jesus is the hope, you know, and isn't he, and, uh, you know, and then <laughs> we were joking in the first song in the second service cause Bro. I looked at pastor and, and then I talked to you and I was like, yo, there's so many new people here. That today. was so, We had, um, I know after the start of second service, yeah, I had talked that, that I talked to five between between after first and before second service five couples wow that i never met it was their all first time that's crazy um and i know we had like nine or ten um connect cards turned in you know yeah um of, of new people so that's cool that's yeah, crazy it, it was just cool. and, they, and they were all like like it, they were I, and i when i say it was other people too but i talked to five couples right that were there that was the first time you know yeah so, um and all different age groups like it was it was cool i, I don't know what the cause was just that, know, yeah, I, I mean, I think I we're just know. seeing that influx early, maybe or something. But yeah, um, so yeah, it was a good time. So we we started a detox series, and the idea for those of you that maybe you haven't heard us talk about it yet is, you know, the detox series is is uh, in knowing that there are people that are going to come into our doors, you know, in the weeks, the next couple months, more at a higher rate than maybe different times in the year, um, is that we are, uh, the, we want to spend a month kind of getting ourselves together, getting ourselves whole, you know, find, finding out some things that are in us that may need to come out and, and cleaning some junk out of our lives. And, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, it's not so much, you know, detoxing is in like substance abuse as, as uh, much as that may be part of what someone needs some to detox. Um, no one got my joke for service in the transition. <laughs> it was like crickets. It was like it was like crickets from the stage. So I I opted out Boo. second service. Yeah. Further tomatoes. I opted out second service. <laughs> you know, I highly considered doing it again and with a different crowd. You know that that nine yeah. o'clock crowd's a little tired still. You yeah, know, so yeah, yeah. Um, it takes them a while to get ready. I I thought about in you know eleven o'clock. Listen, man, if it, you if you're listening, you part of the nine o'clock service. 
Listen, what what I want you to do is get a Red Bull on the way to church this Sunday. <laughs> well, you here's know? nine o'clock. Ain't that early? It's, it's not. not. You know, it's not like. I mean, I'm like exhausted right now at ten while we're recording this. But we, I got up at four forty five today for the twenty one days, days of prayer. Where yeah. we, we meet at the church at six a.m. pray for an hour, um, which is really cool. But you know, I, I need a nap already, and not even lunchtime. You know, um, <laughs> see, Can you like, imagine how we're gonna feel after lunch? Yeah. See, oh, I'm seriously, I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna need a power nap. Oh man. Um, anyways, yeah. anyways, so yeah, the nine o'clock service sometimes they little. It's still a little tired, you know. The coffee ain't kicked in yet, so I told a joke, so so everyone's aware, you know. We're, we we go up and we do this like transition from worship to the the message and all that, you know, and uh, we we kind of connect it to the to the message and and we welcome our guests and all those things and um we, we're talking about the new <laughs> the new sermon series detox and kind of what it means and I made this you know attempt attempt at a joke about uh how you know there's probably people in the room that they're only familiarity with toward detoxes you know <laughs> you know from something else and it was like crickets um uh, you know, maybe yeah, uh, uh, ill-timed or something but um you well, know. yeah um <laughs> i was, opted out second service yeah, yeah, yeah second service we just left that alone we just let yeah no but it's all good man it's uh, we're, we're pumped up you know detox series is good we're gonna uh, like I said, we're just dealing with some stuff, and and uh, we've already seen people, you know, popping up with good things to say, and and so we're gonna keep keep going. But at the end of the day, we're pointing people to Jesus, because um, you know whether you're not saved or whether you've been saved twenty years, we still need Him today more than we needed Him yesterday, and we're gonna need Him tomorrow more than we need Him today. And that's true. So, um, so yeah. So this week we talked about seeing clearly, seeing clearly, and uh, and and in that. We kind of took a, a journey down, um, number one, recognizing what God wants to do for us, um, and then looking at God's plan and vision for our life. And so uh, in seeing clearly, we started out with Daniel chapter six, and we talked about how Daniel uh, distinguished himself among the administrators and, and the others that, so he had been ranked with other people, mm-hmm. but it was obvious that he distinguished himself. And that's noteworthy um, because we see all throughout the Bible, we see people like Job later in their life. We see people like Joseph. Um, we see different ones throughout the Bible, um, Paul and, and, and all these others, where it was abundantly obvious that God distinguished them from other people. When Joseph got thrown in the prison, it was obvious that Joseph got distinguished because mm. God chose him. But I think one thing that's like important to understand here is that Daniel distinguished himself, right? Which means he put in some of the work. Like he he had to recognize, man, there's things about my life that I want to change. I want to be respected. I want to be honored. I want to be, you know, all these things. And so he distinguished himself um, by taking on a leadership role for his own life. And how many people out there are waiting on God to do something great in their life but they're not distinguishing themselves. Yeah. Like, That's you know, good. like we, we, we kind of have a running joke around here. Like there are, there are times and I am laboring tirelessly at this, like, because I've, I up until this point and up until the last few months have been notorious for always being late to places. But to me, like I can't be distinguished and honorable if I'm always late. You know what I'm saying? And, and so it's like, man, we got to find you. We have to find ways like you need to, you, I, all of us, like as believers, if we're going to distinguish ourselves, we, we need to be the first one in 
the door, the last one to leave. Like we need to be the one that's the most prepared when we show up to wherever we're going. Like we need, we need to distinguish ourselves. And then when it comes to spiritual things like prayer and, and reading our word worship, you know what I mean? Like we, we need to be the first ones, um, on the front lines of those things, you know? So, totally. um, like even today, I, I, you know, I made it, I made a commitment for the 21 days of prayer, which we're showing up every weekday at 6 AM, every Friday at nine or every Saturday at nine. Um, like I'm going to be there 21 days. Like I'm leading the charge cause I'm going to distinguish myself and I'm going to lead our staff. So our staff can lead our, uh, our leaders. And so our leaders can lead our dream team and our dream team can lead our church. Like, so I'm going to lead the charge on that at day two or technically day three today, <laughs> this morning, like my alarm didn't go off for whatever reason. I woke up at five twenty, And for those of you that don't know, I live 30 minutes from the church. So I wake up at five twenty. That means I got 10 minutes, you know, and somehow I managed to get here at 5.58. So, yeah. You got you know. 10 minutes to get out of the house just to be r- r- when it starts. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Just, just about. Yeah. yeah so, um, but all that to say is like, man, I was doing everything. I, I'm doing everything I can like to distinguish myself. Because if the Lord's going to, if the Lord is number one, going to help me remove some things from me that need to change, but also help put things inside of me in regards to leadership and, and supernatural wisdom and knowledge and understanding and discernment. And then even stepping into things like joy and peace and righteousness, self-control and gentleness and the fruits of the spirit. If he's going to do all those things in my life, I have to distinguish myself to show myself worthy to have those things in my life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I believe that there are some people um, who want God to give them all these things they want to walk in a supernatural power. They want to walk in supernatural blessing. They want to walk in supernatural wisdom and knowledge, but they're not distinguishing themselves. You talk about 6 a.m. prayer. Oh, that's really early. It's like, well, if you're not if you're not faithful with the little, God's not going to make you ruler over much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, I think all of those things just kind of kind of play into that, you know. So, so we talked about distinguish ourselves, and and then we went into God's plan and God's vision for our life. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so we're, we're kind of taking the mode that, um, again, we're talking to kind of our people a little bit. So we're using phrases like again, cause we're, we're assuming to a small extent that a lot of the people in our congregation during this message are saved already. Um, and so the first thing we want people to understand is I lost my place. You can be free. You can be free again, again, <laughs> you can be free again. Right. And so, uh, we talked about how, Um, you know, for each one of us, different times in our life, man, like we really, uh, we stepped into freedom man. right when we got saved, we were freed from bondage or addiction or the thing that really held us captive. And, but man, over time, man, what happens? We kind of, we kind of trickle back into some of that stuff, you know? Yeah. Or even, it's even like mindset, you know, wasn't we talking about that guy you talked to last week, you know, that was like even asking questions. I think about that, like, like that, right. It's like. You have this experience, and then after a while, it's like the newness wears off almost. And it's right, like, right, right, right. You know, it's like you know, you're not you're not unfree. Right. I mean, you're yeah. Technically, you're not like you know what I mean. Yeah. You're, you're, but we need to be reminded that you know, like we can be free again, like free from like the. And when I think of free, when I th- when I heard you talking about this, and when I when I kind of see it, I think of like even a state of mind. Right. Like. Yeah, uh, I need to be free again and like know that I'm free, not just feel like I'm not free. Right, right, right. right. Does that makes sense, or does that yeah. sound confusing? No, I, I, mean, I, I think, I mean, I think, I think one of the, and we kind of mentioned this on Sunday. One of the enemy's greatest tools isn't to put us back in bondage; 
it's just to consume us with the guilt of our bondage. You know, like the enemy can't, you know, maybe the enemy can't necessarily get us back. You know, he can't completely wreck us, but if he can just consume us with guilt and shame from what we used to be or mm-hmm. what we used to do, then now he's rendered us ineffective and stalemated us. And it's like, man, you cannot ju- you're not just free from the penalty of your sin, but you also need to be free from the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of that sin. I mean, we even talk about it in Romans 8, 1 and 2. It was one mm-hmm. of the scriptures we use. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus uh, for that, you know, they are now free from the law of the sin and death. And, and like that's, come, you know, part of what we talked about. Um, and even Second Corinthians three seventeen and 18, we said now, uh, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, some translations say liberty there. And we with unveiled vases all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And what, and, and that was one thing we tried to hit on. Like we are being transformed. Like some people, some people willingly allow guilt to consume them because they're not the finished product of grace. Mm-hmm. But what we're not understanding is we're never the finished product of grace. We're always a grace work in progress. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, man, we're, we're, because we're constantly walking out this journey of receiving grace, we're never the finished product, but sometimes we allow the fact that we're not a finished product to be the reason why we don't do certain things, you know? Um, and we really pinpointed on, on what is the spirit, you know, what is the Holy spirit and what is it in our life? In those moments we talk about, you know, the, the original word pneuma there, P N E U M A, um, you know, where pneuma, which is like that, that kind of breath, the breeze that blows, you know, um, and, and we use an analogy talking about like that first boy, the first break of summer, that cold air starts to roll in that refreshing feeling that you get outside. And, and, uh, so we talked about how, what that feels like, and that's what the Holy spirit should feel like in our, in our spirit, you know, is that man, like when the, when the Holy spirit encounters us and he changes us, man, there's this new fresh, uh, life, uh, that's coming in. So, um, and really breathing something fresh and new in us so um you know we we used a quote uh, from dr henry cloud what you got that there justin i do he says uh, guilt and shame too often sends us into hiding if we have to hide we cannot get help for our brokenness meaning we can never be free right you know as long as we're hiding we can never be free so as long as guilt and shame have us huddled up in the corner you know it's it's adam and eve in the garden yep you know like <laughs> you know as soon as they sin they went into hiding you know, um, and so that's, man, it's, it's so true. So we, we can be free again, which is the first one. Yep. And then the second one is we can breathe again. We can breathe again. And we talked about the doldrums. And uh, have you read Fresh Air by Chris Hodges? Did you read that book? Yet? No, I have it. I haven't yeah. read it yet. Okay. So he talks about, that's kind of the main, kind of one of his main points is like about breathing again, like this whole idea of fresh air. And um and we talked about the doldrums, the the place between the northern and southern hemisphere, where because it's right there on the equator, um, no wind really blows in that area because the hemispheres are colliding there. Uh, but there's also like not much of a current in that area. Like the waters are very still, the air is very still, and it's kind of lifeless. Um, and we were talking about how oftentimes between when we get saved and when we finally step into our purpose like between those two things, we kind of find ourselves in spiritual doldrums. 
uh, where there's no real life, there's no movement. We kind of just kind of, we're kind of locked into the, the same old, same old, you know, get up, you go to work, you come home, mm-hmm. you eat, you go to sleep, like you get up, you go to work, like you ate your peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch every well, single day. Life is kind of the same. Sounds like, terrible. <laughs> so, like we talked about, you know, doldrums, like and many of us are in those, like in those doldrum places where there ain't a whole lot going on in life, you know, like it's kind of still. Yeah. Um, and, and I would even say not just still, but stale, you know, it's kind of lifeless. So, um, but man, we need to, we need to breathe again. Like that pneuma Holy spirit needs to, you know, breathe new life into us, you know, and, uh, and we put some scriptures down to kind of help us see that second Corinthians one, eight through 10, um, it says we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. And like, man, so many of us find ourselves like in that place. And, and uh, it keeps on going. It says, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did, and he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Mm. I mean, like that's, that's so huge, especially like the relying on ourselves thing. Like, (laughs) you know, as like, as a result of us having no other option, we had to rely on God. All right. And it's like that saying, like, uh, when you've done all you can do, pray. It's like, how about you pray? (laughs) <laughs> so that God can do all that he'll do. You know, yeah, like, you gotta love those, uh, like the Christian cli- cliches, Christian cliches. <laughs> God, so, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. Don't believe it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, man, like he, we, we see that, uh, we stop relying on ourselves and we learn to rely on God. But the question is for, for me, for you, Justin, and for the listeners out there, it's like where, what, where in our life, we, because most of us say we have surrendered to the Lord, but what are the areas of our life where even though we say we're in complete surrender, our life doesn't reflect that? Like we are still the one trying to paddle the oar, steer the ship, lift the sail, and mm-hmm. fire up the engine because we're trying to make things happen in our lives um, that you know, we, rather than relying on God. I don't, now, don't get me wrong; I don't believe we should just sit on the couch or a beanbag with Cheetos. <laughs> and no. just hang out you know no, like not at all. we need to be putting hands to the plow and and looking for open doors but at the end of the day we have to rely completely on god to come through like for us you know so but then we jump into matthew 14 22 through 23 it says um and, and that we're talking about peter walking on the water um and when when peter was walking when they saw Jesus walking on the water, Peter's like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. Uh, then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you're a little faith. Why did you doubt? And we even talked about that, man. We talked about how a lot of times our doubt causes our, because of our fear, we begin to doubt and doubt shrinks our faith. You know what I mean? Like we have such little faith because we just don't know if the Lord is going to come through. Like we don't know if he 
it, it's going to do it, you know. Well, and like you said, you know, in the in the context of the, even that that scripture and that story, you know, what they had are just they had just seen Jesus do, like you know, he can do miracles, like you know, he's you know, he's somebody, right? <laughs> like <He's> somebody, <laughs> you know, right? You you know, you know what he can do. You believe in it, but when it comes to like for yourself, yeah, you know, it's like you 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 sometimes doubt or you know, or the circumstance is so strong, you know that. Or seemingly strong, you know, you got wind and rain, you know, like proverbial wind and rain in your life that you like. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, you like, know? God, I don't. I know I, you work in other people's life, but yeah, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because when we see Jesus calming the boat, they're like, truly, he's the Son of God. It's like, well, he wasn't true. <laughs> truly, wasn't the case when he just fed the multitudes with a couple of loaves and some fish. Like right. that wasn't sufficient enough. And I think, man, you're right. A lot of us get to that place where it's like. We certainly believe God is sufficient enough to come through for other people's storms or miracles, but a lot of times we have a hard time believing He's going to come through for ours. You uh, know, I wonder why that is. You know, <laughs> yeah. like like yeah. like is it people trying to do people not feel worthy? Do they? Is it a? Is it trying to be humble? You know, do you risk sounding arrogant when you tell people, "I know God's going to come through for me." Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean, and does that scare people from all from believing it? So they think it's humble. I don't know. I'm, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I've always thought, man. I've kind of always wondered that myself. Is like, you know, when we talk about when you talk about miracles, is it's like, you know, is is there a part of any of us that is fearful? You know, not in God's ability to perform the miracle, but in His willingness to come through for me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like I certainly believe that God is more than able to do this, but is he going to do it for me? You know? And, and, um, and I think that like, that's where we, I, if I had to be honest, I think that's, it's, it points out the selfish agenda of ourselves. Um, and I say ourselves cause I'm included in that where our, usually our prayer is not, God, whatever you want to do, right. do it. Usually our prayer is, God, this is what I want. Do it. Um, and then he doesn't come through and we feel betrayed. You know, God, how could you not do the thing that I summoned you to do? <laughs> like, you know, like I know yeah. it sounds weird, but like ultimately a lot of our prayer life is just a list of us summoning God to move on our behalf when God is always going to move on his behalf. And sometimes it lines up with what we want. Sometimes it doesn't line up with what we want, but it always lines up with what is right. It's just oftentimes because we can't see the next chapter of our personal book, what is right and what we want aren't always the same thing. <laughs> so, and so like, man, we have to really kind of navigate those waters because um, it's real easy to believe for someone else's miracle because when, when they don't get it, it doesn't affect you as much. Um, but when it's your miracle, like you got, you know, you're hoping, <laughs> you're hoping, you know? Um, and so, yeah. And, and, and so in that, man, that's what, one of the things we talked about, even in the sermon is, is oftentimes we find our prayer life as a list of summoning statements to God, like, God, you have to do this thing because, um, you know, yeah, you, you know, in your Bible, it says you'll, you'll give us the desires of our heart. It's like, well, yeah, it does say that, but. He also says that when we become a new creation, his desires become our desires. So 
he gives us the desires of his heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like you may have the desire for like a new Corvette. Like that may be the desire of your heart, but that's not really what he's saying. Yeah, like, which is such a damn, God, man, the damaging effects of the prosperity gospel in the Western church culture and I mean, America and, and now abroad, you know, like, man, the prosperity. It's big, with, it's big with some of those um, in Africa, you know, some of there's some, there's some big time wealthy, you know, preachers and private jets and all that over there. And yeah. And like Nigeria and some of those, you know, such a joke, man. Like, you know, this idea that like, if you get saved, that, Sickness won't come to your house, and all you got to do is have a word of faith, and blah blah blah. And it's like, well, it's not true. It's well, I shouldn't say it's not true. That's not. It's incomplete. Is what yeah. I should say, because there, the Lord certainly can do that, but it's not because we summoned Him. It's because ultimately, in, in God's heart and His plan and His purpose and His sovereignty, He knew. You know, like He chose to do that, and well, so we. You know, well, John we John uh, John Piper has a. I think we've discussed it on this podcast. Listen, y'all, YouTube, a, John Piper, Prosperity Gospel, and sit back and enjoy. Yeah, he makes a, I mean, quite the compelling argument. <laughs> you know that, you know the, the the Christian life was about at least back then the early followers of Jesus was about like they they suffered. Lay down your life. Right. They like they suffered. Yeah. And then, but for uh, and and he, you know he says in that talk like. The prosperity gospel doesn't make anyone praise Jesus. It makes them praise prosperity. Like, who wouldn't want a Jesus to give you a car or whatever? Right, right, right. Yeah. That's not like, and it, it's not. And I think if if you're against the prosperity gospel, it doesn't necessarily mean you're against people having things and even nice things and all that. No, of like, course. But it's not. Um, it's not about that. Like, right. No, hundred percent. I agree totally. So, um, and so in our prayer, our prayer life should reflect, God, I'm looking for you to lead me to where you want to take me. You know, I'm looking for you to lead me through the trials that I would rather not go through. You know, even Jesus, God's son in the garden, Father, if this cup can pass from my hands, if I can go without having to go to this cross, please do that. But Mm -hmm. not my will but yours be done. Like our prayer life should align us with God's will, not try to align God with ours. Right. Um, and so, you know, I love what Chris Hodges says uh, on that quote there. You got that there, Justin? Yeah, prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. Prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. Um, that's a good one. That is. That's a good one. So then we move on to... Uh, we move on to the third point so we can be free again, we can breathe again. And then we can see again. Then we can see again. And um, and so, man, we we look at Mark 8, 22 through 25, and, and uh, I had heard this before, but I was reminded of it listening to Pastor Chris at you know the intensive that we went to. And uh, I mean, I thought it was just so appropriate for what we were talking about. And, and so um, to kind of catch you guys up in Mark 8, 22... It says, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him or heal him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he spit on the man's eyes, he put his hands on him. Then, first of all, we're not going to talk about like, could you imagine the look on the faces of the people that brought the blind man to Jesus? When, yeah. Like, like, oh God. <laughs> he just spits on him. Like, yeah. oh, that's, 
not quite what I had in mind, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like they heard him tell the guy, like, just trust me. Because <laughs> <Just Like, laughs> he's like, he just spit on me. <laughs> and his friend's whispering, just trust me. Yeah, just just go with it. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and his eyes were open. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And what we were talking about here with this is he said, the scripture says he looked up, talking about the blind man, he looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. And the question was, if he had been blind his whole life, how did he know what trees looked like? Right. Which tells us, that if he knew what trees looked like, then he hadn't been blind his whole life. That he had lost his sight somewhere along the way. He lost his ability to see. And what we were talking about with each one of us is for a lot of us, man, God gave us our sight. He gave us clear vision. When he came into our life, he did something amazing and, and uh, gave us vision for, for our life and for his purpose in our life and what he wants to do through our life. And he did all of those things. And then somewhere along the way, our vision got blurred. Our vision became unclear. We got blinded, whether it was by our ambitions, whether it was by our sin, whether it was by our habits or, or whether it was by things we let into our life that we knew we shouldn't have let into our life, but, but we did, whether it was by uh, unforgiveness and bitterness, whatever it is, like we allowed something to block our vision. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that God has a desire to help each one of us see again. Like he wants to clear up our eyesight so that we can see what it is he has for our life, his purpose, his plan, his fulfillment, his calling for our life. You know, I, we're, we're, I'm working on the pipeline stuff right now, you know, just more, more like for those of you that don't know, we have a leadership pipeline starting the first week of September, which we are pumped about if you're in the Pensacola area and you want to go, you should go. Um, so it's starting September 4th. Uh, you can register at transformationchurch.com slash pipeline. Um, so if you want more information, just go check it out. But all that to say, uh, man, like we're, we're getting ready to, to, uh, launch the pipeline. And one of the things that I'm just super pumped about is connecting people, you know, connecting people to their calling. Cause I, in, in one of the packets, I use this great, you like, we use the phrase, like many are called, but few are chosen. But the reason that many or few are chosen is because despite the fact that many are called, few respond to the calling. And like the leadership pipeline is the opportunity for more to respond to the calling mm-hmm. so that we can see God. Like, you know, it's again going back to Daniel 6 at the top of this thing, like distinguishing ourselves. So putting ourselves in a position that we can be equipped and trained and and, <clears throat> and do all those things. So, you know, we have, but we have to be able to see again. Like we have to see our purpose. We have to see our calling. We have to see our fulfillment. Like God's plan for us didn't include salvation and that was it. There's so much more. Um, and there's a calling on each one of our lives. Every listener, every one of you guys that's out there, there's a, there's a calling for you. There's a purpose for you. And we can't let the fact that we've been put, we put ourselves back in guilt and shame, the bondage of guilt and shame, the fact that we put ourselves in a position where we can't breathe again, the fact that, you know, we put ourselves in a position where we can't see again. We can't let any of those uh, be the things that stop us, um, which is perfect because it leads us to number four. You can begin again. Which is that you can begin again like just because you know you you kind of got messed up somewhere along the way like start now mm-hmm. you know so many people are afraid to so many people are afraid to start again 
because they're consumed with the failure of the last time they, they started, you know? And it's like, man, like, just keep going, you know? Failure is a powerful teacher. Fa- yeah, yeah, but but I think about, you know, I think about, like, self-awareness. Me and you talk about self-awareness a lot. A lot. <laughs> and, like, you know, we people look at us, you know, I'm 31, you're 33. We were pretty successful in the corporate world at relatively young ages for what we did. Yeah. And... You know, but when I think about it, it wasn't because we were short of failure. Mm-mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? You think about like carpenters, you think about like all your sales jobs and all those positions, you know, like, like <laughs> yeah, you hear a lot of no's for you hear yes to someone buying a motor home. Right. You know, right, right, right. And we're not talking like $10,000. No, so, <laughs> you no, know what I mean? Two, three hundred. What was the most expensive one you sold? Do you remember? In the twos. In the twos. So yeah. a quarter million dollar motor ho- mobile home. Yeah. And you were what, 21? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but how good. many people? It was a good time. Yeah. But how many people said no? Oh, it's a, a, you can't a, even count. A lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a it's I mean, it's a numbers game, you, you know, but yeah, you so it's like if you consider that a failure, I mean, I don't I rarely consider things failures personally. You know, it goes back to along lines where you're talking about though. It's like like so many people are scared to fail. Like they're scared to try things, they're scared to do things and it causes so much insecurity. You know, we struggle with it with people on our teams even. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, just people are scared to step out, scared to show initiative. It's like there's – failure is a ma- an amazing thing. Yeah. You know, failure and, – and that's why, you know, that's why I think sometimes I have a slightly unique leadership style in some of the things I do because I'm one that I like to let things play out. You know, I'm not one – I've never been one to want to swoop in and save the day for a team member – so it doesn't fail. Like, that's not me. I would rather let them fail because I don't view failure as a bad thing. I view failure as a good thing. Like, what now? Let, now let's read. Now, obviously, if it was like super terrible, you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, you're not uh, going to let it run into a brick wall. No, no, no. Not, right, not right. at all. But, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let someone behind the scenes make decisions for their, whatever their team is or wherever they serve or whatever. And then, and may, I may know because maybe I have more experience. It's like, this is not going to go well. So I'm not one to swoop in and like save the day for them. You know, I don't, I just don't operate that way. I'll let it play out. I'm a, I'm a play outer. You know, <laughs> I let things play out, you know, just because right. it the, like, cause I can teach all day, but sometimes that's not how people learn. Like just tell. It wasn't like, how I learned. Right. So it's like, sometimes you gotta let them, you just gotta yeah. let them, you gotta let them do what the, do the idea they thought of, try it. Even though I may know it may not work well, let it fail and then let let's regroup. Like, what could we have done different? What did you learn? Like, you know, the 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 things that went on in your mind leading up to this that helped you get here, but you realize the execution. Like all these things you can learn from. So I don't view f- failure as such a negative connotation, but to me, it, it shouldn't. It's such a it's so when you even talk about anything for God, it's like people are just scared to to like fails. Like I just I wish people I wish people weren't so scared of that. Like get up yeah knock knock yourself off and knock the dirt off the dust off and like let's 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 move on yeah because i think i think if i don't think these are i i believe that these are two things but i don't think they're the only two things i believe two things that people are absolutely afraid of that i believe they absolutely need to embrace is failure and correction Mm -hmm. because 
Like those are two of the greatest teaching tools. If you're being corrected, that means someone knows something more than you. Stop being defensive in the midst of your correction and just listen. Even if the person is wrong about most of what they're saying, maybe it comes out that they they were correcting you, but they weren't right about everything. That doesn't mean you can't learn something from their errors. So still like absorb some of it. Like, but man, don't run from failure, uh, failure and correction, man. Like you gotta, you gotta jump in there, you know, and, and let that be a part of, um, anyone who's ever done anything great has that mindset, right? You know, like whether you look at great from whatever your definition of great is, like from the church world, you know, whether it's a, a, a preacher that has led a lot of people to the Lord or, you know, you related just to what everyone can relate to, like in your job or in business, like anyone who's ever created or built anything fantastic has failed. Look at, look at inventors, right? You know, people that invented things we use every day. It's like, that wasn't their first invention. Like, right, right, you know, whatever yeah, yeah, made yeah. it wasn't their first one. Like mm-hmm. they failed over and over and over. Michael Jordan, you know, he's got that famous like quote saying he did, you know, like all the things he, he missed. Yeah, I missed X amount of shots. I, you know, yeah, so many yeah, times yeah. the game winning point was relied on me and I missed, you know, yeah, but uh, all those missed ones helped them make the ones right, that mattered. Like the, all, yeah. all those things helped him become the greatest, you know, mm-hmm. and people forget, they look at like, I'm going to stay on the basketball analogy. People look at Jordan or like LeBron and people want to be great, forgetting the fact that like he gave up everything, like he gave up everything to be the best. Right. Like he's the first one at practice. He's the last one to leave. Yeah. He shoots a thousand free throws a day or whatever. I don't know. Right, you right, know, right. like where so you want people see like Beyonce and all these people like I wanna like Beyonce's been Beyonce's on top of the world now in the music industry, forgetting that she's been spent spent twenty years to get there. Right, right, right. right you know, yeah. and then gave up her whole childhood and her whole teenage life and her well, they, dad and the yeah. Jackson Five and all these things. Like all these people that were great, they like there's tremendous sacrifice comes with greatness. And and struggle. And there's struggle. tremendous struggle that comes with greatness. Right. You know? So it's like people people see the quote what you whatever you idolize or whatever and you want that, but it's like we can put it in the context of the church world. We see these large you know, maybe you're a pastor, you see a larger church and you have a vision for that, not just for the sake of numbers, but like a true vision to reach people, you know, but you know, the struggle to get to, to that with some of those guys, it's like this years in the making. You yeah. Know? Well, it's also understanding like some dudes are just, some dudes are anomalies, man. Like they just are who they are, you know, TD Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Chris Hodges, Craig Rochelle. Like if you're setting out to be the next one of those, you've already missed the point. And here's the thing about anomalies though. You want to be an anomaly, you got to act like one, Yeah, you know, and that's where people miss it too. And, and, um, so, so many times you just get caught up in what everyone else is doing and just, you know, putting your head down and, and working, yeah. you know, whatever that is. So, no, but you're true. right. You know, you shouldn't strive. I don't think, especially in the church context, I don't think a goal should be, I'm gonna have the largest church in the country. I don't think that's a, a proper goal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and more importantly, like you need to, you need to produce the person that God is gifting you to be, not try to reproduce the person that God made someone else. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like, you know, I listen to some young pastors and you just hear like Stephen Furtick running through their, like their veins. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's almost like like this copycat thing, but I don't think there's anything wrong with taking phrases and analogies. Like I support that. I mean, all, all, every pastor, we all do that. You know what I mean? Like it's borderline to the point there's nothing original anymore. But what I'm saying is I'm not just talking about like taking cool phrases and key analogies and quotes. And I mean, I'm all for that, but I mean like, trying to reproduce this person's style and 
how they're doing things and all that. So I, th- I think there's just like, there's a line for that, you know, but, uh, but essentially what we're talking about is exactly what we opened with Daniel six, distinguishing ourselves from everyone else to be the best at what the Lord called us to be, you know? And, and uh, I, I uh, tweeted this out last week. Um, I said, young leaders, so like young leaders, that's who I was referencing. Your insecurities are not good enough reasons to not do what is necessary to get better, even overcoming your fears. Like, so don't let your fear of failure or correction or, um, you know, the fact that you may fall down. Like if you have to fall down, fall down. Um, but what, what I feel like a lot of young people, a lot of young leaders, yeah, a lot of young leaders or just leaders in general, what I feel like they don't do, I don't think they fall enough in private. I'm not talking about character. I'm talking about they don't put them, they don't put themselves in a position to fall in front of two people. So when they fall in front of 200 people, it consumes them or the fear of it consumes them and they never do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, fall in front of the two, fall in front of four, fall in front of 10. Mm-hmm. So that when you're in front of a hundred or 200 or 5,000, like you've already practiced the free throws, if you will, like you're already there, you know? So I think that all that's just super important, man. And, uh, but I would love to hear from some of you guys out there. I mean, what, if you're listening, you know, either tweet us, send us an email, like what are the reasons why you're afraid to try? You know, what are the reasons that you're afraid to make progress? What are some of the reasons that you guys are afraid to move forward? What are, what are some of the reasons that you feel like you can't do fill in the blank? I can't lead my team. I can't lead my family. I can't lead my spouse. I can't be a leader at my work. I can't, what, like, what are the reasons why you can't do the thing that, you know, in your heart you're supposed to be doing? Um, and maybe we can help address some of those things on one of the yeah. podcasts coming up. So tweet us, you know, at Brad Livingston underscore uh, or at Justin on, uh, Oswald underscore or send us an email uh, at follow up at transformationchurch.com. We'd love to do that. So Totally. Um, and so as we jump into that, man, we finish up with uh, a phrase that I just kind of, I wrote um, and it, I talking about you can begin again. It says, we have bought into the lie that although God didn't wait for our perfection to choose us, we need to wait for our perfection before he can use us. And it kind of goes back to exactly what we're talking about. Like, don't be, you don't look for perfection, you know, um, look for obedience, mm-hmm. you know, uh, look for a pursuit, look for a heart that's right towards God. So you can begin again. Um, you can be free again, you can breathe again, you can see again, and you can begin again, and you can start all over. So no matter where you're at right now, listener, those of you that are out there, no matter where you're at right now, it's not too late to start again and give God everything and watch him do something amazing with your life. I don't care if you're 14 or 40. I don't care if you're 17 or 70. Wherever you're at in life right now, God can do something amazing with it. Begin. Like put a foot forward today, start something today, you know, go to your pastor. If you go to TC or if you go somewhere else, like figure out what it is you're passionate about, get plugged in, find something you can do. There's a harvest that's ready because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so, man, let's go to work. That's it. You know? So we appreciate you guys listening to us uh, for week one of Detox. Justin, tell them where they can find more info on the church. You can find the church at transformationchurch.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Transformation Pensacola. Awesome. So uh, you can find both of us, Instagram, Twitter. Yep. And uh, man, we're super excited. We'll be coming back next week uh, with another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. We love you guys. Catch you later. See ya.